What purpose does fear serve? I'm not talking about the fear of jumping off a 10-story building or anything like that. I'm talking about the fear that you encounter every day throughout the day. The fear of real danger is an illustration of how your body reacts to fear. So obviously that fear you feel about jumping off the 10-story building is real and justified, right? But that those same feelings can also be applied to things that aren't um, death-defying or aren't deadly or um, aren't major threats. But we apply the same level of fear to these smaller things that we would apply to something large. Fear is a product of what you learned when you were little. Even if you think that some of the fears your parents had were silly, you still harbor the fear inside you. For example, if um, your parent or your caregiver was afraid every time you climbed trees and you thought it was silly as a kid, you know, even though you think it's silly, every time you go to climb something, there's just that little bit of fear in the back of your mind that you might fall. You know, you still kind of harbor it inside you even if you think it's silly. Now, some other fears your parents or caregivers or loved ones or people close to you or even friends have, um, you don't initially think are silly, but you blow them up into something big because they have so much trepidation or anxiety around it that it just sort of bleeds off onto you, right? Fear is the mind's way of keeping you safe. So in some ways we think of it as a good thing, but the mind will apply this response to everything that it perceives to be unpleasant or have an unpleasant outcome or be dangerous or, or be embarrassing or it applies the same response to all these things, grave or not, even if there is a chance that the, a positive outcome will occur. Everyone experiences everyday fear. Some of us take it as rational notions rather than just a response from our brain or like a reaction. We think that it is more legitimate than it actually is. We do not take the time to analyze the fear or the idea of fear. We just allow our brain to call the shot when often the fear is an overly conscious response that keeps us from doing things we want to do. For example, I have a fear of roller coasters. I have not gone on roller coasters many times just because I allowed that fear to dictate my level of engagement. This resulted in waiting for sometimes over an hour for friends who were standing in line to go on the ride while I waited outside. They had fun and made good memories while I stood outside on the cement waiting for them to return. I learned this fear from a situation that happened to me in childhood. When I was in grade school, I heard a story of someone older than me, maybe a junior or senior in high school, falling off a roller coaster and almost dying. Now I was in grade school, I was pretty tiny. So I didn't really understand 
I didn't even know if that was true or not. It could not even be a true story. I, to this day, I don't know. I never got the whole story. And in the small community where I lived, the story was dramatized and retold often and without any type of language referring to it being unusual or freak accident or something else. It, no one ever talked to me directly about it. So I was never able to process the story. So in my child mind, I created what I needed to know about it so that I could stay safe from the same experience. And then I grew up simply thinking that carnival rides were dangerous. Don't get me wrong. You know, there has been carnival ride accidents and um, it is actually something that happens. But there has also been car accidents and bicycling accidents. And I ride my bike on the street and drive a car all the time. I do these things regularly and I don't have the same level of fear. I never questioned my fear of carnival rides. I only reacted to it by not engaging in the rides, even when it meant I would lose out on having fun and making memories. So what can we do about these fears? I'm Juliana J. And this is the You Don't Know Me podcast. And today we're talking about the fear that keeps you here. I've always resonated with that phrase, the fear that keeps you here. I heard it back in a song, maybe in the 90s or early 2000s. I even had a journal that someone had made for me with the words in the front. Um, fear is what keeps you here. It really resonated with me. And yet I didn't recognize I was allowing all kinds of fear to keep me in places I didn't want to be, from small to large. So many times we let fears that are untrue or at least untested become reasons we do not do things. We play it safe because our fears are stopping us from moving forward into the places we want to occupy and out of the places we no longer want to occupy. Over time, we become hopeless because we allow the fears to keep us in spaces that we've outgrown. There's a lot of um, fear we have that really stems off other things. And we, you know, we might have a fear initially of, um, like, say, when you're a little kid and every year you go to a different, different grade and you have a different teacher and there's different kids in your class and you're doing this every year. Um, and that you can develop a fear of starting something new in that realm, which can then manifest into fear of changing jobs or careers. You know, what if I go to this new place and it's a bad experience, even though throughout grade school, there were times when you went to school and it was great. You know, um, you can have fears like I can't get out of this unhappy relationship because what will people say? And they may villainize me because, um, I'm the one that wanted out or I can't leave this toxic relationship. No one will ever want me again after this, or I can't travel. It costs too much. Then fears stop you that are kind of strange. Like I can't drive in the city. I'll get in an accident. I can't go out to dinner on Tuesday night because I might not get home in time to go to bed at my regular bedtime and get up and go to work. I might be tired. I can't take public transportation because people will make fun of me because I don't know how it works. There's so many small little fears we have. Um, I can't wear this dress I want to wear because what if what if someone sees my underwear? You know, just the really strange 
fears we have, most of them are developed in our childhood when either we didn't really understand what was happening or we were observing somebody else who had a fear or or it happened to us when we were children, but it w- definitely wouldn't happen to us when we were adults. Most of our fears are not rational and they stem from childhood experiences, as I said. They are things we might have overheard or experienced, but were never properly explained to us so that we could talk through the situation and move on, such as my roller coaster example. Often it isn't the caregiver's fault. They're just doing the best they could with what they knew. Often the overarching dogma or parenting trends lead to parents making choices they might not have made otherwise, like the notion that you shouldn't sue the crying baby. This is a common one that seems to go in and out of fashion a lot. This can lead to a lot of insecurity when the child gets older. But at the time, it was best practices for parenting. What can we do about these fears? That's the big question, right? Working with your fears can be scary in itself. So be aware of this and be good to yourself as you work through your worries. Realize that being good to yourself sometimes means stepping out of your comfort zone. So here are the top five things I do to kind of overcome my fear. When you notice fear popping up, Take a moment to realize it, examine it, think about it, label it as rational or overprotective or overreactive or um, legit, you know, whatever it is you want to step out of the experience you're having and look at it in kind of a third party way and go, what is this fear? Is this rational, irrational, good? bad, helping me, not helping me. What is it? Just label it. Perhaps you have a, like, you know, for example, perhaps you have a fear of speaking up in meetings and during the meeting, you feel strongly that you need to make a point. Think to yourself, is this a rational fear? Other people are speaking up and nothing's happening. My point is essential. Is it worth risking stepping out of my comfort zone or of being silent to speak up? Where is this fear coming from? Is it because I got in trouble talking at school when I was little? What do those rules of my childhood apply to my adulthood or are they residual energy? You know, just kind of analyze it from a place sort of outside of yourself. Okay, here's a big one. You have to step out of your comfort zone. Healing from fear involves stepping out of your comfort zone. You know the saying, you can't get there from here. Well, it's true. You can't overcome fears without getting out of your comfortable space. If you stay in your comfortable space, you can't get there. I promise you the outside of the comfort zone is amazing. The best things lie there, including your dreams and goals. Getting out of the comfort zone allows you to grow and reach for new things. It helps you build confidence and self-security. You can go out of your comfort zone in small ways at first. You don't have to do anything big like going bungee jumping to get over your fear of bungee jumping. I mean, you certainly can and maybe eventually you will, but you could start small with little things like, you know, I'm afraid uh, to talk to strangers or people I don't know. So today when I'm walking down the street, I'm going to say hi to five random people or I'm afraid to ask people out. I'm going to See if one of my workmates wants to go to lunch, although it's not out in the sense that you're thinking, 
but it's working up to that. I'm afraid to ask people out on dates. So I'm going to start with just asking friends to get together. And when I get used to that, I'm going to move up to something else and something else and something else. You know, you don't have to start right at the biggest fear of your life. Number three, review. At the end of the day, review your fear. Where did it come from? Does it serve you and your future goals and dreams? Does the fear make you happy or not? Does the fear keep you from doing things you want to do or not? Is it valid in your grown up world or something you learned in the past that's no longer relevant? Write these things down. Number four, realize that you are human and all humans make mistakes, get embarrassed and change. Therefore, you can change. You know, you may be get, get embarrassed once in a while. You may say the wrong thing. You may step out of your comfort zone and, and face one of your fears and it doesn't turn out as you expected, but that's better than being a prisoner to your irrational fears. And it's very, very important to realize a lot of the time we tend to think when we do something embarrassing or make a mistake that we're the only people that have ever done that. And we isolate out and we think of ourselves as separate from the community and the group. But that is not true at all. Actually, mistakes and embarrassing things and things that go wrong Everyone experiences that on the planet. There is not one person who doesn't experience those things, no matter how famous they are or, or how big an expert they are, how knowledgeable they are, or who they are. They have all experienced all these things. You can't experience anything that hasn't already been experienced by someone else, and usually quite a few people. So don't think of situations that happen that don't go the way you plan as something that isolates you out because you're, you know, a loser or dumb or all these things you shouldn't be calling yourself. Realize that making a mistake makes you part of the group. You're part of the club. We've all been there. We've all done it. So change your perspective on thinking that something embarrassing makes you need to isolate away from it and feel shame. Instead, realize that you're just part of a group that everyone does that. It happens to everybody. It's not just you. And here's a big one, number five. Forgive yourself for letting the fear keep you here. Forgive yourself for the past experience that enabled you to manifest this fear. Realize that you're a human and you're part of the human experience is being fearful irrationally. So let the fear go. Sometimes it's good to apply the Ohonopono here for yourself and anyone who has helped you develop the fear. This is an Hawaiian practice that the West has taken up as a mantra or a meditation practice for the most part. There's a lot more to it uh, than I'm going to explain here, but this is a very, very simple Western version. It is meant to forgive not only others, but the collective and the unknown and also yourself. It is intended to change your energy and connect with the notion that we're all one. All is one. Very similar to what I was talking about earlier in that everyone has experienced a mistake. I can tell you from personal experience that this is a transformational practice. It is especially helpful if you do it daily or weekly or anytime you feel the need 
a habitual practice of saying the Ho'oponopono to ourselves as we meditate is very transformational. I have um, a really simple practice for doing this. I set a timer for 10 minutes because 10 minutes is a doable time frame. You can kind of fit it in anywhere. You could also do five minutes, whatever you want. Uh, but I feel like 10 minutes, a few minutes at the beginning is just to sink into the meditation. So you set your timer, close your eyes, get settled nice so that you're comfortable and you're quiet. Maybe do some breathing exercises. A simple one is like breathing in for the count of four, holding it for the count of four, breathing out for the count of four and repeating that a couple of rounds. So really get settled in and then bring to your mind's eye the people who helped you create the fear, the people who you feel like you need to say sorry to, the people you think need to say sorry to you and yourself, and the collective, the universe. Bring these people into your mind's eye. You can either do it individually or all together as a group. Picture them. Then you say the Ho'oponopono, and you do this until the timer goes off. And then go back to your day. I also take the time to silently say the Ho'oponopono a few times just to myself when something comes up that brings up the need to forgive others as well as myself. It's a way to realize that we are one. Someone else's behavior is in some way your behavior energetically. And with that, we realize that we were all aligned in this human experience and forgiveness is part of the lesson plan. Ho'oponopono goes like this. You, will find, you can find your own flow. It isn't set in stone. This is a really common one. Um, and so I'm going to use that, but you can make it your own, whatever you want to do. The mantra is, I am sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And you say that over and over until the timer goes off. And then you go back to your day. And uh, I'll tell you, even um, as recently as last week, I was doing this and I just had this... Um, epiphany, transformation, you know, happened to me that was really transformational. It's a, it's really powerful. It's very simple, but it's powerful. And I, I really hope you try it and let me know how it goes. And with that, let me say, I love you and I support you. Take good care, my friends, and I'll see you soon. Oh, and don't forget the Journaling Journey Meetup with the group Being Worthy, A Guide to Self-Love and Compassion is happening in July. If you're interested, it's part of the collaboration we're doing with Social Refugees and the You Don't Know Me podcast. Um, it's the 12 month journaling journey, and they'll be meeting in July to go over June's prompts. So if you're interested, I'll put the link in the description and I hope to see you there. So take care. Love you.